Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello again. Thanks for joining us today on the Victor Marks Show. I hope you all had a great weekend. Today, we're going to be bringing you a conversation from my bride, Eileen, with a friend named Des. She was an operator in a special missions unit called Delta for much of her career. She's a dear friend, and Eileen was blessed to sit down with her and discuss some, well, pretty important life topics. The discussion centers around marriage, forgiveness, PTSD, and, well, me. Wait, what? This should be interesting. Let's get to the conversation right now. As Des starts out the conversation asking Eileen why she married me. Oh, boy. Here we go. Once you've found all this stuff out, not that you think Victor ever lied to you, but having not known any of this stuff previously, did you ever have a moment where you said, wow, what did I marry? What did I get myself into? Wow, I married a lie. Well, that's an interesting way to frame that. What I thought was, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. But I didn't even really know what I was signing up for. When we get married, everything is good, and we're in love. And um, I think for my story, God didn't allow me to see Yeah, what was in Victor. Okay. Because I don't know if I would have. Married him because the way that I was raised, my dad was a Marine. We grew up with him having PTSD without even knowing it. I mean, I was not consciously saying, I never want to marry a Marine. I just knew I didn't want to marry somebody like that. Right. So, and Victor wasn't like that. He wasn't mean. He wasn't, um, you know, he didn't have PTSD when I married him. Right. Which is interesting because... I don't think people, especially from his background, childhood abuse, I don't think they really understand until pressure comes. Until you get married, until you start having children, until you start having financial things. So all these pieces are the ingredients that make things come to the top. That, that's a good point, because that was the question I had. As, I was going to have as well was, um, at what point then did it did his PTSD get triggered was it after you are now three kids under the age of four, married, and now trying to figure out this life? Yes, it's exactly when it was. I mean, I was already in. I was yeah. deeply in. I loved him, and it was never a question of I don't love him. Like, he, he calls it his beach ball. He would neatly try to push his beach ball down of all the stuff that happened to him, all the crazy behavior and it does take heat to make that go up. Yeah. And the heat or the stresses in life. And um, I mean, for him, I think what started it is our source of income was him doing karate. Mm-hmm. So if we had a very successful school and he had tore his hamstring, it actually tore from the ischium bone, rolled down to the back of his knee. Ooh. So it wasn't just a, oh gosh, I tore oh, my hamstring. A, yeah. It was a surgery. So you know, his identity was in his martial arts. So now he's thinking, 
I don't have this. Now what am I going to do? And I think that was the crack that opened up his childhood stuff. When it first all started happening for you, how did you wrestle with that? But, you know, when, when it first started happening, was it a creep? Or was it like this, all of a sudden now there's all of this stuff? No, it was a creep. And because Victor, the, the Victor I married was jovial. He was funny. He loved life. I mean, that's one of the things I loved him, and he made me laugh. He was the life of the party. People wanted him to be around because vivacious. He just mm-hmm. brought life. So when he got injured, that started to um, take a toll on him. So, you know, his humor, he wasn't so funny. He wasn't uh, jovial. Yeah, it was a creep. And then the, the sad thing is a friend of ours who was a doctor um, saw his behavior and gave him Zoloft. Let's medicate him. Which is horrible. They're, he's treating him for depression. Right. So what it did is it made Victor just shoot to the ceiling, just just his behavior. I mean, he would stay up all night long um, doing crazy things. He went to Walmart one time and bought a ton of plants. So I go to bed. <laughs> he's out. I have three children. I, I sleep really good at night. Yes. I wake up. Our front yard is all landscaped. Because of his behavior, because of the patterns, after he was on Zoloft, he was having mania patterns. And then he was seeing counselors, and they said, Victor, you have bipolar. Not connecting his childhood trauma yet. Oh, wow. It was just, well, Victor, this your behavior is screaming that you have bipolar. So then he just put on more medicine. So nobody had dug in. No, no, no. Nobody had made that connection yet. No, which is very dangerous. It's a huge disservice. It's such a disservice. Yes. And, and this is one, I mean, for me, I want to be an advocate for people who are misdiagnosed to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because they have this behavior doesn't mean they have a mental illness. Is it because nobody actually dug into the why? Like nobody was asking him and enforcing those conversations with him about the why? That's exactly it. Even professional counselors. I think he chose not to remember, and, and that's why, you know, the beach ball, it's like if when he would feel some stuff come up, he can just push it down and no one else knows. But when it keeps popping up, you, I mean, okay, no one saw that. Yeah. Wait, no one saw that. So I think the good thing for us, he was, we moved away from his family. He wasn't by his family because his family would be constantly triggering him. I mean, even in church, you know, we, we both got saved and, and we both just dove into the Word of God. God was God was both of our Savior. We knew the Word of God. It brought peace to us. But here's the interesting thing. Um, when he started having these behaviors, a pastor, and I think a lot of pastors don't understand this, when somebody does have childhood stuff or PTSD, um, so many times they're not sleeping. When a pastor's solution is, you know, hey, bro, you just got to read more. You just got to pray more. And they're not looking, okay, this guy's suffering. This gal's suffering. She's not sleeping. So to say you got to just read more and pray more, how do you know they're not? And they're not getting relief. Right. So now it's just condemnation. And now they're getting guilt because what they think they're supposed to be doing, that's not even working. So 
I mean, the triggered films that we did, I think is helping to educate people of faith to go, this is not a person lacking spirituality, something, this is a wound in their soul that needs to be addressed. And of course, the Lord, he's the ultimate healer. We know that. But God has given people wisdom. God has given people the ability to help people walk through the process. And, you know, there are so many counselors that shouldn't be counselors. And even doctors. I mean, yeah, Victor went to the VA. Guess what they did? Medicated him. Medicated him. And we're so quick to medicate for everything. Yes. These days. So so is the VA not equipped to handle PTSD, but also like childhood trauma? I think that's a really interesting question. Yes. I don't have the answer to that at all. But I think, like you said, with everything else, like your triggered movies film that you guys did, it's the education aspect. And PTSD has had such a negative connotation uh, to it. And even from service members' perspectives. Yes. I don't have PTSD. I don't have problems with this. Right. This isn't. This isn't my issue. Or like uh, you guys said, Victor had said when with the mommy issue thing. He's like, this is not a mommy issue. Right. Initially, like I don't have problems. Right. Um, well, fix my anger. Well, and being in the military, you know, you're used to doing things, and if you do raise your hand to say, "I don't feel good. Something's not right." What happens to you? So I think it, that depends on. Um, where in the military you are as well, like the type of community that you're in. And I think it is definitely becoming a more normalized thing to do. Um, Definitely. I've I've seen a huge shift in that over the years. And there are people now that you can put your hand up and say, I need to take a break. But it also depends on where you are in your career. And if you have the ability to not just recognize it, but um, also say that because it's also a very prideful thing as well. And then to believe that your leaders aren't going to punish you for doing that yes. is a very um, large part of it as well. Um, and that's where, you know, then it's, leaders have to come into play and show mm-hmm. that they're not. But I also think there's an element of leaders having to recognize it yes. and actually have to act on it if they see it yes. in their service members. I remember being over in Iraq and in Sinjar and seeing the uh, mass graves. I I was not prepared. I was not prepared to see that. And we went over there for the young women that were held by ISIS just to kind of bring comfort to them. I thought I, I was prepared to hear their stories. I wasn't. Um, so what do you do with that? You have to do something with that, right? You just, oh, yeah, that was... Pretty amazing uh, trip that we took over there. We saw all this stuff. So, I mean, you you've done stuff. I can't answer what I do with that. that, that that's sad, right? Yeah. I think that's where that compartmentalization comes into play, and we think that we do a really good job at doing that. Yeah. But who's really the truth teller in that? I did a good job compartmentalizing. You know, yes. my kids, yeah. my marriage, and let's you know, like that hasn't always been. Uh, at its finest moments. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that as I'm sitting here looking at you. I think recognizing that these things just don't evaporate. 
And, and like one of the doctors said, you know, PTSD doesn't have to be a disorder unless it disrupts your life. I think relationships are going to be the first thing that's disrupted because we, we dump on those. Right. We love, and like for Victor's stuff, his, you know, that terminology transference of anger. Mm-hmm. Well, we did it to each other. He was mad at me for the stuff that his mom did. I was mad at him for the stuff that my dad did. So the beautiful thing is that we can recognize it and we stop getting angry and blaming each other for things that aren't even in reality. Then we can go, okay, this is not you. Uh, I am, I am projecting my anger on you. And the same thing with stuff that we see that you guys see it's you're in this world that is so unlike you come back to the U S and people are crying about stupid things. Right. Yes. So that's the thing. How it's like, how can you not want to slap somebody to say you have no idea? Yes. No, that's, that's, I'm laughing because it's so true. Um, Cause that was, I, I mean, I've said to my kids, Oh, you think your life is terrible. You think you have a hard life. I'm going to take you somewhere and show you what a hard life is. Right. Like you have a bed to sleep in. You have all the books at your fingertips that you could read. You know, you have this, you have that and list it off to them. Like, all right, let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere that's that's not so that you're not yes. growing up spoiled and misguided yes. on what a terrible life really is. Right. A wake up call. Yeah, absolutely. People can't know what it's like over there because they're not there. Right. I mean, I've I've lived <laughs> I've literally um looked up third world countries and images and shown them to my kids in moments of like right. look. look do you want to live in something like this? Right. And I think that there's also that creep. I can probably say, yeah, I had some transfer of anger, yeah. but I wouldn't have known that in the moment. And I'm not even tell you just said it just now. Could I even probably said that that is what it is, or I've called it projection sometimes, or like you're projecting your feelings of this over here onto me, yeah. but in the moment it feels real and in the moment. And so then having to be both partners, be so introspective to be able to take a step back and remove yourself from that situation. I think that's a really difficult task to ask people who are really in the, still in the trenches of it all as well. Yes. So how do you fix that? Yeah. Don't you think you have to give allowances? You have to allow yourself. Of course, I'm going to have, I'm going to have some issues. Everything I was exposed to everything that was done. I mean, God made our souls. He made us, I think for women, the way he made us, we're more like spaghetti. Things are intertwined. I think it's harder to say, we'll put this here, we'll leave it right here. And and I think men have an easier time, but um, especially when it comes to children, our children, or how do you um, allow yourself to vent and be okay with that and process this and be okay with that? Things have definitely affected me. But I definitely think I have I have a way of compartmentalizing okay. some of those things. But I also think I'd be lying if I didn't say that because um, I, I can recognize it, especially now that I'm retired and not um, in a high-stress environment on a daily basis, not feeling like I am torn between you know my family, my marriage, and my work and giving my all there. I can now see my short fuse that I had. Like I really did have a short fuse. I really had no patience. 
So either the kids got my patients or my husband got my patients, but they both didn't get my patients because I didn't have the ability to give both of them my patients. Um, and so one of them was always suffering a lack of mm-hmm. grace for me. Yes. But then I was always wanting them to give me grace because look at everything I'm doing. And I'm still coming home and cooking your meals and I'm still coming home and doing all the mom things. I'm still coming home and doing all the wifely things. I found that I became a little bit more on, well, what about me? about my feelings and how I feel. And I get it. You go to bed at night in pain. I go to bed at night in pain too, you know, like just physical pain from all of our injuries or whatever. But so it did, it did be, it almost became like um, a competition from within our marriage too, you know? Yes. Um, and I had to be the one to let that go in order for us to let it go. I think a key piece in trying to make our marriage work through all this stuff, I learned this early is forgiveness because I found myself early on being so bound up with bitterness and I had to hold it in. Resentment. Resentment. Yes. And bitterness. Deep. And I did not, I didn't didn't know I had it. Yes. Until it, until it came out, right? Until it comes out. Yeah. To be able to admit that you have it, because the ugly behavior I had, because Victor was the one that was um, bleeding, bleeding, right? We had to take care of him first. And then after my stuff came out, right? Right. So I think for me to recognize, man, I am full of bitterness and resentment and anger. And I'm a Christian. How does this work? Right. Um, So God was very gracious to show me my heart. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is how do you not fall back in to the resentment trap or the bitterness trap? And I'm sure you're much more equipped now to recognize it sooner um, yes. without then just having to accept everything, Yes, you know, and not, and, and still be true to you and what you deserve. Yeah. How do you balance that? I think when I accepted everything in my heart first and I, I agreed with God, yes, Lord, I have this. I don't want it. I hate it. I mean, I would... I would yell at my kids, and I would go to bed. I would cry. Because then you feel guilty. You feel guilty. Yes. So I think to be able to accept it, Lord, this is in me. I don't want it anymore. Please forgive me. I had to be able to go to the Lord and say, forgive me. It's me. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It's me. That was the beginning of my healing. And now when things happen, I recognize it. And, And here's why I have to forgive. Because God's forgiven me, and I accept his forgiveness. So it's easier for me to forgive because I I make that connection, Lord, you've forgiven me. I I don't want to hold Victor. I don't want to hold him accountable for things he's doing. That's not mine. That's not my position. So my heart is free today. When I'm tempted to uh, get angry or start thinking those thoughts and I just say, God, help me. I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to live here. So that, that's the key for me. And when I would get to feel that way, yeah. it's just not healthy. Like I've had to do other things. Like I'll, I'll go put myself in timeout. Yes. I go, I'm like, mom, they're mom timeouts right now. Yes. Mom's taking a timeout right now. Yes. Harvard did a study on people who have the most severest cases of PTSD in the military are those who've had childhood stuff. Oh, wow. Abuse, sexual abuse, right. physical abuse. So that's why some people can 
go serve and come back and they're not affected. And then there's other people who they fall apart. Same with the uh, police. And so I think to go back and say, Lord, you know, these places in my heart that I'm not free. He's gracious. King David said, search me, know me, try me, know my heart. See what's in my heart, Lord, because I don't even know what's in my heart. I just, I know I don't like it. And then allow him to go there with you. Here's something that that God did for me. Because my dad was in heaven when I kind of went through some counseling. This is what really helped free me. So as a little girl, you can't do anything. Right. Teenage, you can't do anything with the choices that adults make. You just have to take it. So Victor sat in the chair of my dad. And I was able to share everything that my dad did. And he just apologized. And oh, wow. It was so powerful. It was so powerful because I was validated. Mm-hmm. And then keep a very short account of bitterness, those unforgiveness, those, those little things that come in and try to strangle us. Do you have tools that you use? Like, do you journal? People use different things, you know, um, when you wake up in the morning and you write what you're grateful for, you know, like to just to kind of put you in the right space of mind. Like you start your first five minutes, you write down like three things that you're grateful for today, which that is definitely on my list of 2021 that I need to start doing. So for you, like what tools do you use to help keep you kind of on that path? Yeah. I, I do journal. Okay. And, um, I started just waking up saying, Lord, what do you want me to know today? I want to hear from you Lord. And if, if it's one scripture, just one, yeah, I would just read it and, Lord, show me more about this. Um, or I would listen to a song that just the lyrics would minister to my heart. I, and then I would just start a conversation and just start writing. So I would be honest with my journal. Sometimes I'm afraid that, gosh, people are going to see my journal when I die. Right, right. <laughs> but I want to be able to be honest because it's my journal. So if my family members find my journal, they'll know me more. Right. They'll know what's really in my heart, and, and that's okay. But I can be so honest with God. We can be so honest with God. And I know God listens to me if nobody else does. So I think journaling is a very healthy way to get stuff out. I appreciate that yeah. very much. I, I am curious about like, like the emotional lead in your family. Are you that? Do you find yourself... In that, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm coming from. That's why I'm interested. Yeah. I know that in our family, like that is how it is. And I, I, there's been times where I'm like, God, oh, it's not fair. I know I'm not ever allowed to have a bad day. Yeah. And if I'm just not in a good mood, and we're getting into a much better place now because I have more patience with everybody. But again, it's because I have more patience with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I ask a lot too because I see a lot of that in my oldest. Yeah. And I want to help him know how to handle it. Yeah. If, and I can if I don't know how to handle it. Yes. Because our, our older kids did suffer too. God says, cast all your cares on him because he cares. That's really true. He doesn't want us to carry these by ourselves. Guys, it just seems to be like such a pat answer, but it is the answer. If, if I didn't have the Lord, I wouldn't be here. If we did not have the Lord to stand up, I don't think we'd be married still. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I carry a lot of it, but but I'm not carrying it by myself. 
knowing Jesus is there. He's my Prince of Peace. He knows what's going on. He'll get me through this. He'll give me the grace I need for this. I'm not going to keep a record of this. I'm not going to judge him because when, when I do that, my heart gets hardened. Right. I don't want my heart hardened. That's huge. It's funny. Um, I used to have a softer spot. Yeah. And I haven't yeah. for a long time. And so like part of this it was also a journey for me yeah. to kind of help try to show myself back to my softer spot. Yes. Allow the Lord to deal with this stuff that's clogging that. That's covering that. And it's a process. Oh, I appreciate it. Oh, I know we can talk more, and I wish Sorry. we had more time. I know. <laughs> but I, you know what? Things have to come back out. <laughs> you do. You do. And I was telling Victor, this training center, it's, it's so much more. It is so much more than just training people how to roll on the ground or how oh, to use absolutely. a weapon. So I'm excited. So It's healing through those things. I really look at those things as... Um, vessels to heal, yeah. no matter what group it is that's out here, right? Victims of either like sex trafficking or, or, or trauma mm-hmm. from childhood or trauma from, you know, war, war or, or, or yeah. trauma from losing your spouse, whatever it is. To me, I see them as um, vessels to show, teach confidence. How many people conquered a fear this weekend right. alone? And when you conquer a fear, it gives you strength. Yes. And... Jesus came to heal. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Yeah. That, that's the very first scripture he read out loud in the synagogue. It's Isaiah 61. When we're healed, then we can do what he wants us to do. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.